after all these years, to be going back to where it all started. Back to the Matrix. How did I beat you? You're too fast. Do you believe that my being stronger or faster has anything to do with my muscles in this place? You think that's air you're breathing now? How can I make a choice? Because you didn't come here to make the choice. You've already made it. You're here to try to understand why you made it. Stood and stared at it, marveled at its beauty, its genius. You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. While it remains a burden assiduously avoided, it is not unexpected and thus not beyond a measure of control, which has led you inexorably. Here. What is he doing? He's beginning to believe. What does that mean? It means buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than you'd have to dig through Twitter to find anyone still talking about the Matrix Resurrections into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're finally talking about the Matrix Resurrections. It's been a long time since we've touched on the Matrix. We're bringing back our good friend Mo Shafiq to talk about it fresh off his Matrix Resurrections uh, reaction podcasting tour. <laughs> so, this is actually my only time, my only podcast about it. Believe oh, it or really? Not. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I trust me, I've listened to my fair share of them. Some okay. of them I've gotten so disappointed in that I've turned them off halfway. No, I haven't recorded my thoughts on this movie at all. So this oh, will be man. the first time you're getting a, a clean. Though wow, with like I'm... with a little bit of period of grace since the last time I've seen it. It's actually, I've, I've, I haven't seen it in two weeks. So How are you feeling now having seen it in two weeks? Do you feel withdrawals happening? No, Do you feel... because the third time was the time that it like it solidified as perfect to me spoiler alert for reactions and <laughs> reviews but the first That's time it. i had i i had a i had a, a, a good time the second time i had a great time and the third time i had a perfect time so it's always the third time the last jedi we, i feel like we brought that up in this too there's comparisons in the reviews which i kind of understand to the last jedi but that movie for me i was like the first time i watched it, i was like i liked it the second time i, I watched it I was like, it's it's so good. And then the thir third time I had like an overwhelmingly emotional experience. And uh, so, yeah, you you enjoy the movie. Yeah. I mean, given given the expectations that you and I both had, I'd say it's definitely a satisfying experience. You know, that's why the, the reactions have been sort of interesting. You know, Last Jedi has been tossed around. But like, that's because like, I don't think a lot of people really deal with subversive art very often you know like a lot of times there's a universal consensus or at least when you're younger right i think about this with bands a band's album comes out that's challenging that's different and you go like that album sucks and then you <laughs> talk to your friends who all kind of agree you're not really nearly as invested as you are and you go like yeah that one sucked and you walk away and then years later you can listen to it as an adult or with someone with a different taste in music and be like oh man it's a shame we kind of slept on that one that one's pretty good you know mm -hmm. and then uh you know have that private experience and, you know, people don't really think about that with art, with with films, right? They don't go like, eh, maybe it just wasn't, I wasn't ready for that yet. Or that wasn't what I was hoping for. So I was disappointed with it. And right. I think The Last Jedi was one of the, the first big, like, I, I don't think that I was ready for that. Or that's not what I was expecting. Or that's not what I wanted. Then the conversation got so loud and so aggressive that, like, people then had to, like, plant their flag on one side of a war, so to speak. And uh, it's unfortunate because I do think that if that was just left to its own, I do think that it would have had a organic reevaluation over the course of many years later. This, I do feel, is a different beast altogether because... Definitely. When I saw the, the bad reviews pouring in, they were mostly from people who I would argue, and this is no offense to them because a lot of my, a lot of my best friends hate this movie... Uh, <laughs> don't like the other sequels and don't like any other Wachowski's movie. Sure. And so I'm like, 
what did you think you were going to get? The movie really plays with that aspect of it. And that's what I loved about it. And it's really, it was genuinely surprising to me, not to sound super snobby about a sci-fi blockbuster, but like the amount of people that didn't get it, what was coming at them. There are a few people I talked to, and there are a few reviews I read that were like, haven't we seen this all before? And it's like, Yes, we have. And that is the <laughs> whole point of the movie. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's really strange. And it's funny how much emphasis was put on the original Matrix in the marketing for it, like the, tw- the tweets with the timestamps. Yeah. And you, go, and you go into some major iconic moments from the movie that are then repeated in Resurrections, that it was so much of a sequel to Revolutions. It was oh, yeah. surpri- so surprising to me how much they dug in. They have to, right? How much yeah. they dug in to the well, aftermath they, they, of revolution. They didn't have to. I imagine if this was directed by Zach Penn and it was a Morpheus prequel, there definitely would have been some sly nods, but not necessarily. They would have definitely eased off the gas with regards to the sequels. But no, yeah, I mean, that was the thing that I was the most worried about. If you had asked me a month before the movie, what was your biggest fear? It would be that this was going to be a movie that sort of soft rebooted and like mm. chose chose not to really ignore or chose to ignore reloaded in revolutions right. and this in fact is like you said a sequel to revolutions and reloaded and an acknowledgement that most people did not actually get <laughs> the first one exactly or bother with the rest of them there's a character in the the deus machina board meeting room that's like i didn't really like the first one it's not my thing i don't care about it like just yeah. didn't just i don't want a syllabus <laughs> to have to understand my art man <laughs> which is a lot of people i know dropped off after that point and were like this movie to, to be quite honest like the first four minutes of the movie i was so nervous yeah when it's essentially a shot for shot Mm-hmm. opening on the matrix one with the heart of the city hotel and everything no, like that you, you, and then you, you forget it's it's already messing with you right away it starts upside down and literally fades into a upside down pool of water and then reverses as a mirror basically onto itself it's amazing yes. literally from frame one the movie is giving you the visual language of stuff to pay attention to it's so good and focuses on the hea of the heart of the city hotel. I guess that's like romance lingo for ha- happily ever after. Oh, um, oh wow. Didn't catch that. Telling you it's going to be the most romantic movie of 2021 or yeah. that you've actually like one of the most romantic movies you've ever seen. It is a romantic movie. People <laughs> don't like this movie. They just don't love love. You yeah. Know? Oh my the God. the whole thing. It's so sweet. It's so tender. And it really is just as corny and cheesy as Speed Racer, which is just sort of like, hey, you know what's great? Love. It's great. Cloud Atlas was on that save wavelength too. It's like, love is great. It's so great. And uh, yeah, the, the movie has a lot to say about about people trying to pin their thoughts and feelings onto the subject or overthinking it or even underthinking it, but also just the fact that there's any dogmatic thoughts about the film, which is what the sequels are about, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. are just about the like people's adherence to what things need to be like because mm-hmm. they've always been that way. And this movie really continues that, but through the like, explicit lens of like what is a matrix sequel supposed to be in 2021 and then the idea is like literally throw out the rule book the only part of this story that actually matters is this love story Mm -hmm. you can pin whatever else you want to pin onto it but if there was going to be a future matrix franchise as this movie ends it literally just says if this if this series is going to go on guess what there's going to be rainbows and queer shit it's going to be so fucking cool and gay and trans and lovey-dovey and so corny it's going to be amazing and i loved every minute of it The movie literally ends with Neo and Trinity flying away, holding hands. I a know. A plus. A, <laughs> a plus. plus. Yeah. And that, that's the funny thing to me is if you want to take that and put an analogy on it, you know, it's obviously a real fuck you anti-blockbuster about why do you want to see this all again? Why would mm-hmm. you want to do this? We've done we've done this all. And I was thinking about Kylo Ren in, in the, the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. The, the most, I think the, one of the most genius decisions they made in that sequel trilogy that was understanding the fact that they could never make a villain as iconic as Darth Vader. So yeah. what they did is they baked that into the character of Kylo Ren that he's anxious and feels the pressure and the weight of having to be Darth Vader yeah. as a character in the film. So they, there's that same kind of mentality here of like, we're never going to do bullet time again. So bullet yeah. time becomes 
um, a threat in the movie. It becomes yeah. a, a thing that holds Neo back from self-actualizing again. They integrate it in this really meta, bizarre. It's a fucking weird movie. It's such a weird movie. Oh, God. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It becomes this like anti-blockbuster where it kind of acknowledges the fact that they can never hit that same level again. It's lightning in a bottle. Why would you want to see this? And it becomes a, a movie about how you kind of get the choice wrestled away from you if you aren't making your own choices about your art or you know the things you're trying to create in this world or the, or the person you're trying to be if you don't make those choices people will choose for you yeah yeah and even so even more so yeah as a consumer that things are being you're being forced between the options that are not inherently a choice right like the idea being that you don't even know you have the choice to pursue this kind of art making it or consuming it right like you all your force fed are blue pills the red pill is both a metaphor for the art you digest and the ability to create art um and that's why it's so interesting is that like that lana chose to make this movie about the creation of art in general but also about uh, you know because you know speed racers on that same trip but like speed racer felt like them thinking that they were on a victory lap and being like look like we got through the ringer with the matrix trilogy. Like we wanted to show you like we're making art in a corporate space sucks. Like, but you know what? You can still make it as long because good art will always prevail. This is 20 years later from that. And this one's definitely, I guess not 20 years, I guess like 13 years later from speed racer. And the mode is completely changed. Smith is now a uneasy ally. And it's so much more interesting because this movie portends that like the person that Lana thought was the villain is actually kind of a necessary evil and an uneasy ally if you want to make this kind of art in the first place. The real issue is that this is going to happen no matter what. And that's what this movie's big setup and the big stakes are. It's sort of like the original movie tried to say that, and here I am doing what Lana doesn't want to do, uh, tried to say, in my opinion, I should I should always clarify that, that, you know, the the, the path is compromise. Right. Like the that the, the war is never going to be uh, it, there's always going to be a war, but the, the true beauty is compromise. And then this movie, it's very much that sort of like, oh, I thought that we had solved that issue already. It seems like this is a circular thing that's never going away. So if that is the case, then the only thing that matters is love. The only thing in the whole world that matters is that you love what you do and that you love the art that you make. That's literally all that matters because Absolutely. you are never going to be able to compromise yourself into caring about something you hate. Because even at the end of this movie, no one's vanquished. You know, yeah. the, the analyst still remains. Smith puts his sunglasses on, walks away. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, exactly. It's still that a stalemate, like at the end of revolutions where everything is just kind of as it is. But now the power of the people is are the, like taking that back and, and creating the world. Uh, maybe you look at, like you said, maybe with some rainbows this time, I guess like, <laughs> like Trinity said, and it's really a, a movie about what happens when you reject, you know, that life is an illusion and you reject that reality anyway, mm -hmm. because for your feelings about things, yeah. you know, that things are bad for you. You know, that these certain mindsets are bad for you or these certain thought patterns are toxic and you still go that way. Anyways. Yeah. Once again, in one film, uh, Lana Wachowski has created 14,000 themes that you could put on top of yeah. it. Still not oh my understand God. Yeah. what it's truly all about. The most amorphous metaphor that is so applicable and so specific at the exact same time. Because like, you know, as we've been speaking, it seems like you had a different, a slightly different experience than I do, but I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. like that. And again, the, the, whatever this conversation comes up. And I, I really learned a lot from listening to the, the blank check guys talk about this th themselves is that like people bristle with being told, obviously like you're, you're, you're watching it wrong or you have the wrong opinion just because this thing is smarter than you thought it was and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that what they chose to do was very smart and something that I probably wouldn't have done organically because I, I felt really defensive of this movie leading into it. Mm -hmm. But now that it's been on the table and like people, the chips have laid, fallen whether they're, they're going to lay, people mm -hmm. don't like it or they don't. But what was really interesting to hear in a lot of these podcasts, I earlier on, I mentioned that I listened to some podcasts and I had to kind of turn them off, is listening to people honestly say to themselves, I didn't like this movie. Someone confronts them and says, but you didn't like the original sequels and you like them now. And they go like, yeah, but this is different. I'll never like this one. 
and like the idea that there are people out there who refuse to visualize themselves ever enjoying something that other people enjoy because of the negative experience they had with it right and that's not on them but the idea that like most people's consumption of art is so tied to their identity sure and that's what's so brilliant about the metaphor of the matrix in this film is because so much of it has to do with you know when you watch the original it's very interesting because it's obviously like the conversation morpheus has with neo is very like hey, they're either with you or they're against you, right? Like, they're either mm-hmm. part of the system or they're not. And, like, at any point in time, any one of those people can become an agent. And that, like, you know, when you're watching it, it feels very, like, fascist. That feels very, like, you know, like the, the, a police state. Like, you never know who is on your side. And if they're not on your side, then they are very much could be against you at any point in time. Sure, Watch out. Sure. Like, if you're queer in, in straight spaces, guess what? Like, don't present too much because guess what? They will that you will get a cop, you know, that an agent will show up, right? They will shut you down. Yeah, they they will shut you down. And in this movie, it feels much more like, look, you're not gonna even it's from the the analyst speech at the end, basically, like the sheeple, they they don't care, like you running around doing all this, like, they I know what they want, you know, they want another Marvel movie, no offense, right. they want, <laughs> they want something that's that feels good, that feels right. Right. Feelings are more important than actual enjoyment or challenge. So like you can go ahead, like he says, and make whatever the fuck you want. But I know how the Matrix is powered. The Matrix being this capitalist engine, this like, you know, whatever this this metaphor applies to. And he's right. So listening to seeing these reviews and seeing these things, it's like it's interesting because like people don't realize that like it isn't an us versus them situation or like, oh, you just don't get it situation. It is like it's so interesting to see people ignore such a text that is not even trying to challenge you as much as it is just trying to welcome you in to a conversation. And so people just don't even want to have the conversation. And that's how like stubborn it's come across. And it's interesting because I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to be part of the conversation, but like it does feel like people want to like push back on it. Like it's a, I don't know, uh, Transformers five and that it didn't live (laughs) up to the hype of Transformers two. It's like, this is a little different. This movie is like a bit of a dialogue. It's kind of exactly what it it was meant to be. It's not like it was a bad movie that came out. I think about what you said uh, when we spoke before about Reloaded is that a lot of times people think that just because they don't like something that it's bad. Yeah. And um, that's certainly not the case here. And I certainly don't look down on people or think differently about people that didn't like this movie because I understand it. Too. And like you said, it generally lines up that if they don't love the Matrix trilogy as a whole, the people that didn't love that didn't love this one. But yeah. I, I think another factor is, did you see Don't Look Up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, not a fan? Not a fan. Sorry. sorry. Okay. No, it, I, I loved it personally. Yeah. I think a lot of the discourse was really annoying around that movie, as, as but almost as annoying as it was around matrix resurrections yeah yeah and and i brought up a similar feeling as of i don't think that people like to have the finger pointed back at them i i'd like to think that the, people think they're like removed from the problem because i put up a black square on my instagram i do this and i do this and yeah. i do this <laughs> and i'm and i i'm i'm helping i'm helping everything and i don't think people like having a movie that's like no we're all fucked up we're all bad and think yeah. we all have to choose a different path to go forward together yeah um and you know, like the movie hates podcasters. The movie hates <laughs> the, the movie. The movie hates the press think in pieces. General. Think pieces and the press in general. And it's it's all there. And it's all. It's not like it's subtext. You know, they like they're <laughs> oh, literally hardly, saying yeah. <laughs> they're hard. It's like we. It's what I think you and I were saying. Like, there's not going to be any subtext of this movie. It's going to be super mm-hmm. in your face. It's going to be amazing. We're going to love it because it's so earnest in its themes. And it's pretty much what ended up happening. Is yeah. you know you get. John, you get Smith saying like Warner Brothers said that if we yeah. don't make another scene and it's like I, I love that and I was so locked in from that moment on yeah it worked it really just worked on me all the meta stuff was like this is allowed to work because it's in the matrix there's a there's a reason for it to work and it works yeah. so well because the world that's built around it makes sense that people would be like this in it and the story can be told because of the programming and the matrix within a matrix within a matrix. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that stuff, I'll be honest, I still have a lot of trouble wrapping my head around. Oh. I still couldn't, I still couldn't tell you exactly what's going on in some parts. Um, well, I can, I can help you out. I, I, I would I, love your the third time. I locked in so hard that I was sort of like this movie 
I picked up on its language. But to, to, to go back to what you're saying about don't look up, and this is actually, what you said is actually something I hadn't really considered, and it's very, very insightful. But I really struggled with Adam McKay's last movie, Vice. I was sort of on board with um, uh, the big short. Mm-hmm. And so, but like Vice left such a bad taste in my mouth that when I went into this movie, I was like, this is the guy who made Vice. Be prepared for like, some really on the nose, really cynical, really mean spirited stuff. And so within like 20 minutes, I was checked out and sure. you know, and I was I was a little I was sour. And, you know, I won't say it's like a terrible movie or the worst movie I've ever seen. But like I knew within the first 15, 20 minutes that this movie was just not for me. And I still sure. had an hour and 45 minutes left to go. <laughs> uh, so and but that, but that there you go. There you go. Because like that's what more about what I was getting at with the Wachowskis thing. It's like, if you, if you don't like what they have to say or what they're doing, or just don't really get their vibe, like I don't understand why it's difficult to realize that about yourself. Like I don't begrudge anyone who likes don't look up because it is sort of like, I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I'm glad that it is either working or satisfying a, 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 a need for that kind of story. I, I personally bristle with some of its approach and its tone but I think that's something that I personally, with the Wachowskis output, struggle with the response on the other side of the coin, which is that, mm. like, I don't understand. And I know that there's a phrase now, like, toxic positivity, right? Which is, like, you know, obviously that's that's a different kind of thing. Sure. But, like, people approach m- most art with the same lens, which is that, like, there must be something cynical about it. And, like, there's nothing cynical about any Wachowski movie. And like, if this is their, them being cynical, the movie literally ends, like you said, with two people flying <laughs> away, holding their hands, yeah. you know, like it, it's, it's so dorky and sincere, but people don't know how to read tone or, or rather tone is just like a, is a completely different cinematic language that people really don't have a lot of access to, especially as things get flattened and as like movies start to feel very same samey because they hit this formula at a certain point, which is also, to be fair, part of the Matrix's fault, the first Matrix. Like, you know, like the hero's journey, the like the repeated saga, like all the stuff that sort of created a template and created a mold that this movie is so eager to break, (laughs) you know, off the bat. So it's interesting to like, you know, witness in real time people perceiving a movie as less than or seeing it as again again in real time being like they messed up they didn't know what they were doing the fight scenes are so that this is ugly they didn't do this on purpose this must be a mistake whatever and i'm just sort of like people don't believe that movies can be made a specific way and have a specific tone that's not right. meant to be ironic or an homage they get those they get irony they get like you know your birdemics and you know your sharknados and shit like that but like sincere it's really hard and that's why like even even like that's why like verhoeven movies are always misunderstood every single time even (laughs) though every single verhoeven movie he hands you the keys that like to a thing that's that's like literally like like it behind it is a rubber chicken and you look at it and like okay he's trying to tell me this is a comedy but then you watch it and then you're just going to like what the fuck were you doing, man? You had no idea what you were doing when you made Showgirls. And then he's like, no, he literally at the beginning of the movie points to like, he's like, this is a comedy. This is a satire. Like I'm having a laugh right now. And you, and the people still walk out of him being like, was that one a satire? I don't know. I know this is the guy who made RoboCop, but like, is this sat? You know, like it's that kind of thing. And you're like, Benedetta came out and there were people who still protested it as if they didn't realize that it's, that movie is a satire. Right. And you know, satire and cynicism are, can be easily conflated, but that's not the case. I've yet to see Benedetta and I really want to hear it. I hear it's oh, fantastic. It's so <laughs> and I love Paul Verhoeven so much. So, you know, I think those are all really fascinating points. And, and I do think that people a lot of times confuse plot with themes too lately, which is mm-hmm. really, yeah. which is really disconcerting to me. But also, like I said, at the same time, I don't have any ill feelings towards people that didn't like this movie. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get why you wouldn't like it. It's not like you're too dumb for it or anything like that. It's just like, you're not riding that riding that Wachowski wave. I get That's it. not what you want out of your media. That's yeah, also exactly. like a big part of it. It's like, it's, you know, like I don't like certain types of video games either. I don't like certain types of music. It's a genre, right? This is a genre. And I know that because the matrix was in the genre you liked at one point, it very quickly got out of that. Now three quarters of the whole entire saga, <laughs> I'd argue, are not in the uh, the populist mainstream blockbuster that, saga. That's, that that's a great genre. point. That's a great point. The Matrix is now the outlier, the most yeah. popular 
like most perfect one to people is the outlier bizarre one now at this point yeah. it's like one of these things is not like the other yeah um, but you, youtube and like fan criticism culture have sort of created a ecosystem around movies that are bad that that like conflate movies that like fell under budget or were rushed or were cash grabs like i don't know like people are talking about this like it's superman 4 the quest for peace right <laughs> yeah, just they're just not... sort of like oh man like uh can you believe that they made this choice the matrix and... 4 crashes at the box office it's a complete disaster yeah, blah blah yeah. blah neo has red eyes shooting lasers out of them yeah <laughs> and that's like the, the thing too there's such an asterisk next to the box office it's just like right that that doesn't matter I think we talk about it just for, you know, context, what people are responding to and things like that. But I think yeah. it's just like, it's, it's not, I mean, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home is going to make $250 million. They were like, oh, we don't know if it will, but like, yeah, of course it's going to. Those, yeah. that, that was, that was not um, an anomaly. I think the fact that any movies made any money beyond that in 2021 is an anomaly, but I messaged you and I was like, do you want to come on a, speculation podcast with a couple of people and talk about it and you're like oh, i can't speculate it because i've seen it <laughs> I yeah was like uh, <laughs> i was like how have you seen it already and then you saw it once more before it was released yeah <laughs> i was like mo mo's just living it up i know i look uh, it was the end of a really hard year i had the opportunity to fly to los angeles to see it early i decided i would do it i would fly out for 24 hours and then literally while I was in Los Angeles, I got a screening invite to one in Austin as well. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to that one too. And then <laughs> and my friends got tickets for the opening day. So I went on opening day as well. Um, so yeah, I had I had a good time with this. And and like I said, the first time I, I had a I I would say that I watched it for what I had to prepare myself, like get like a, a base coat for my tan like i needed to get sure. a little burned so that i can stay in the sun for a little while like i needed to watch it and be like are people gonna hate this and from literally minute 15 i was like yeah people are gonna hate yep. this movie yeah. people are going to hate this movie but mm -hmm. then you know i had to like sort of keep up with it i enjoyed every twist and turn but like by the end i really liked it would I say it was my favorite of the series by no means would i place it you know in the middle somewhere probably yeah and then I saw it the second time and I took my wife and I was nervous because she knows how much I care about this movie franchise. And at the same time, like, I know this one's a little difficult. And also, it's definitely a little, <laughs> I mean, to paraphrase what the general consensus is, but also like kind of agree with it, what everyone's saying. It's kind of up its own ass, right? Like it is it is a movie that's about itself. Sure. And it's about art and it's about stuff that like you and i enjoy because we consume so much media that like a movie that's about media is interesting to us but like will my wife enjoy it i don't know but she really liked it she had a really Great. good time and with each screening i would notice that like half the people would pull me aside and be like yo i kind of really loved that and then like <laughs> and then you wouldn't hear anything from the other half they would all walk off and then sure enough it's like a very even divide people are just sort of like boo <laughs> and some people who are just sort of like Yo, that movie is like low key brilliant, and I'm brilliant. like, it's yeah. high key brilliant. It's high key brilliant. It knows exactly what it's doing. And then, like I said, the third time I saw it, from the minute the movie starts again, I just clicked into its language. And that's the thing with the Wachowskis. You know, I had I had a similar thing with uh, uh, Jupiter Ascending, where like after a couple of screenings, I kind of clicked into its rhythm, and I was like, Yo, this movie's fun. Once you know its language, once you know its um its rhythm, you you aren't like trying to fix it in real time. Which is something that I yeah. oh I struggle with when I watch Great movies. Point. I'm always sort of yep. like, if I'm not really understanding, I'm like, oh man, you know what I would do? You know how I'd make Hawkeye episode five less clunky? Uh -huh. I would remove a character here or there, or I would stop trying to make Kingpin happen or whatever. You know, like I would just be like, this is this is not interesting. This isn't this is making your story worse. I know you have to hit this whatever, and that's like again, this is not a criticism of, of Hawkeye. It's fine. It's my criticism of Hawkeye. I, you should take it the Kingpin out, but anyway, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like, but like that's how that's how I watch stuff like that, where I'm sort of like, sure. if I was a writer in the room, I'd be like, yep, I understand your instinct to have Thor go to a well to find a hammer in the middle of Age of Ultron because you're trying to set up uh ragnarok mm. but like you're derailing the momentum of a already slow story you know like that's how i tend to watch it so with with resurrections i was watching it being like well you know what i would actually fix here is i would probably do this or like 
you know what? I think that like, or rather with Jupiter ascending, it's like, well, you know, maybe the bees was a bit too much. I think that that's <laughs> kind of going to alienate some people. Maybe you don't need that. Uh, maybe that maybe yeah. that Wolfman Channing Tatum shouldn't be wearing uh, roller yeah. skates. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but you know, but now I watch it and I'm like, this movie is what it is, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. messy movie. But like, I was nervous that that was going to be Resurrections for me. But by the end of the, by the beginning of the, fir- the third time watching it, I was like, oh no, this movie knows what it's doing literally from frame one. You know, like I completely click with it. I know exactly what it's trying to do. The modal stuff, like I get it thematically. I understand what's going on. Then they want to get to the real world. You're sort of like, or the real world. You get to to uh, the ma- the actual Matrix and you get to that stuff, which people pretty much agree with. Like, like most people who don't like the movie still like, like that first 30 minutes where they're in... Um, the games where it's a game within a game right but then once you get to the real world i know people a lot of people switch off and i'm like no the real world's where it kicks in man you meet my best friend sabebe you get to uh you get to see niobe and i love all that stuff like i love io i want to see a whole series in io they I'm gave telling James you Dunn a series for peacemaker peacemaker give yeah. lana a series in io i, I would see- love it i would digest every episode instantly it's just it, i couldn't believe it it got as big as it did I, know. I didn't. I, I didn't expect it to reach reloaded status during Resurrections. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Obviously, there's not going to be another trilogy because people are like, "Will there be another Matrix trilogy?" And it's like you probably missed the point of the movie. Yeah. But um, like heading into IO, I was just like, "Oh wow!" I didn't. I had no idea we were doing this. Like, yeah. and having the machines living with like the programs living mm-hmm. with humans, like uh, reverse engineering code to make strawberries strawberries so and it's beautiful and i loved the look of everything i loved the little like manta ray bird thing Mm -hmm. that sati lived in (laughs) i guess i don't know the amount of imagination put into what the matrix looks like 60 or like the real world in the matrix looks like 60 years later was also something I didn't expect. Like Sabebe, yep. Shout out Sabebe. <laughs> shout shout out to uh, C fist bumping uh, yeah. like a little centipede droid. Octocles, <laughs> uh, octocles, octocles. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> Mo, you really did sink into it. And people like uh, criticize that too. They're like, I don't want a fist bumping a robot in the Matrix. And you're like, why not? Why don't you yeah. want that? They're it's dorky already, movies. They're it's so already dorky. ridiculous. It's already ridiculous. <laughs> don't you understand? They're drinking tidy coffees. They're have yeah. it's ninety percent of the movie takes place in a coffee shop. Why don't you yeah. want? But oh. yeah, it's it's Speaking um, of coffee shops, man. Like literally, I seen it three times, and each time I start to cry when they're reaching for each other during that little brawl. Well. It is just Ooh. I was like, it's so effective. You spend a whole movie literally basically setting up that these people have been kept apart for twenty years or sixty years, and every time they're just all they want to do is touch. And then it's like, and then Neil Patrick Harris is like, don't let them touch. And then they literally just the hands reaching towards each other and then then the explosion. Oh my God. It's like, it's so powerful. It's immaculately done. It's so powerful. Mo, let me tell you, I watched it. I, I was like doing this podcast series. I was, I was ramped up for the matrix resurrections. I got, I had my ticket for IMAX. I was ready to go. I got COVID. Like, so, and I was like, Hey, that's, Terrible that my whole family has COVID right now. B, I can't see the Matrix Resurrections in theaters. Are you kidding me? And I, so I watched it. I woke up at 6 a.m. to watch it on mm-hmm. HBO Max. And I don't know if it was the fever. I don't know if it was just because it's a, such a well-made movie. It's probably a little bit of both. I was sobbing like a baby at the end. I was yeah. like from the last 45 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. are so powerful. They're so emotionally charged. It's so it's, good. The mute, that music, that, Ooh, that gorgeous theme mm-hmm. jumping off the roof. Yep. Her, I'm not doing this. Are you doing this? Yeah. I, I was just, I was just like blubbering with a yeah. blanket around my head and like a car- <laughs> cartoon thermometer, which is like bust- exploded out of the top. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, but it just, it's, it, it started it. I keep going back to the last Jedi. I'm so sorry, but it, mm-hmm. it does the subversive nature of it really kind of reminds me of how perfect the last 45 minutes of the last Jedi are when mm-hmm. like, as soon as Ray gets in that like coffin pod thing to go meet Kylo Ren, yeah. that's what happened here. As soon as they enter that coffee shop and it's like the analyst sitting there, like I love a test. Yeah. On to the end of the movie, I was like pressing my face up against the TV because it was so 
powerful and so well done and them charging against the the police squad to touch each other literally straining as hard as they can to touch yeah. each other and then they take off on a fucking motorcycle together yep. and are blowing up people like knocking people cars are dive bombing themselves out of buildings <laughs> to try to stop them stop them but like the, their love power their neo's love blasts are yeah. like <laughs> i don't maybe i shouldn't say neo's love blasts but uh <laughs> <laughs> and then like oh my gosh i um even if the rest of the movie didn't work for me, I'd still be like, this is my favorite movie of the year. Cause it's just like, yes, this is what it's all about. And this is such a fuck you to people like to people that think it's about more guns, like yeah. to people that think it's about Kung Fu and good fight sequences and things yep. like that. It's just like, no, it's literally about these two the whole time. Even myself who I, we did the three pods about the movies, about the original trilogy, I still was off base. Cause I was like, I feel like the love story was a little bit de-emphasized, which yeah. I still kind of, personally feel that way about the original trilogy before resurrections but like yeah. now that i see this it completely goes back and backfills the original three. right doesn't it and it's and it, you know then you see it it's like duh, obviously trinity touches neo and sparks fly duh yeah. like not that i hadn't seen that stuff before but it's like oh man it's just right there it's just right there yeah. but even it, it works either way because even if you don't feel like it fulfills the 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 what's lacking in the original trilogy as far as chemistry between the three of them or between the two of them trinity and neo this movie sort of recontextualizes at least to me right because even if you if someone tweeted uh that this is lana wachowski's new nightmare and i kind of like that because even though this is a sequel mm-hmm. to uh revolutions it does sort of behave as if like okay look imagine if the matrix trilogy happened but also this is sort of a little satellite like it doesn't have the same look as the original trilogy it doesn't look anything like it it actually has a totally different tone of the original trilogy it's not an action Mm. movie no guns like the martial arts aren't anything this is like its own little like movie about the matrixes the matrices and because of that when watching it the third time the way it clicked for me was i realized that in the story that neo is lana and trinity is the matrix Mm. movies and so when you're watching it it's so interesting to see a movie about lana seeing the the matrix over there at the coffee shop living its life married with kids living (laughs) it to whatever and just being like you know what i'm having a really good time talking to you right now like this is the best (laughs) conversation i've had in a really long time like i did not see this coming like i did not see myself like really needing to reconnect to it and then thematically, the movie takes you on every journey of of Lana's like both like being told by Niobe, who sort of feels almost like Lily telling her, like, don't fuck this up. Like you coming back here and thinking that like you could do this is going to ruin everything. We have a good thing going right now. Like if you ruin if you go back to the Matrix to go rescue trinity and neo and make another movie like you may ruin it for everyone all the people here who sort of have have a little community of people who like our our movies you're gonna re-expose them again to the fucking normies the bullies (laughs) everyone who hates these movies don't fuck this up for us. you're gonna pull that scab right off exactly exactly i love it mo that's such a that's such a fantastic point because it reminded me a lot of did you see annette yeah yeah i've seen annette did you see sparks the sparks brothers yeah 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 Mm-hmm. Seeing the Sparks Brothers kind of gave me a primer into Annette, and I kind of had this, a similar feeling about Annette in the term in terms of art, where it's like Adam Driver and then Marion Cotillard's character is the opera singer, and she's mm-hmm. the one that's like high art, and he's kind of the lowbrow. In and, and, and everyone was like, "It's a story about love. It's a story about having a partner. It's a story about fucked up relationships." And I was like, "I don't really think it's about that. I think it's about the two like the two sides of the Sparks brothers approaches to art and how that, how that gets wrestled away from them and how one person can be inspired and so inspired by the other person, the other one suffers because of it, or like they had to give up so much stuff, so much for their art, so much of their lives for their art. Ron didn't get to experience love in the way that um, Russell did and and things like that. So having that as like a primer, I very much felt the same way about the matrix uh, resurrections and you 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 put it so eloquently that it's just it's a great analogy for your art being wrestled away from you and what how, what you can do to reclaim it yeah creation ownership the the idea of like 
stories being more powerful than you give them credit for, right? Like Neo literally tells Trinity, like, yeah, we like entertain some kids, you know, and you could see Lana being like, (laughs) that's like how she feels, has to file it away in her brain, right? She's sort of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, look. If someone talks about the to, to the Matrix of the party, that's what she says to him. Yeah, yeah she's like, yeah, people kids. people liked it. Some kids really enjoyed it. It was cool, but like, I'm not inspired <laughs> anymore, you know. And now it's sort of like the movie literally ends with Lana in this role as Neo, literally using force field powers to protect the Matrix. Literally, as they drive through the streets of San Francisco, as people Beautiful. are literally committing suicide trying to stop them from getting <laughs> out from from becoming free. It's like it's it's such a beautiful, beautiful visual metaphor. It's so gorgeous because everyone's like hung, hung up on the meta of it, right? They're sort of like, yeah, we get it. It's meta. You acknowledge it. The Matrix is. I'm like, th- th- that's that may seem like that's the meta part, but the meta mm-hmm. part is, yeah. Neo never picks up a gun in the movie. Neo yeah. only uses defensive things. Mm-hmm. Neo, this is a response to the fact that ev- like the thing that people took away from it last time was that guns were good columbine all this shit like you can't live in that vacuum and this is a piece of art about someone basically coming to terms with that they really love their characters they created and they want to reclaim it and the war that they have to go through literally just to have one last at bat with those characters you know like just literally lana using her magic powers to protect her baby her love the love of her life from getting killed in the process you know like of getting out and it's her and her baby versus literally everyone. Yeah. Except for like a small crew of six a people. A small crew it's, it's, of people yeah. who like, who Niobe is so nervous that no one will stand up. And the uh, another moment that gives me chills is that like, you realize that literally the entire cast of Sense8 step forward in that moment. They all Love march it. forward and they're all basically like, who's going to, who's going to help us save the Matrix resurrect, say the Matrix franchise from <laughs> Warner Brothers, and the entire cast of the people who made her last movie all were just sort of like, we're in. And it's so it. fucking good. That's meta. It's that so is awesome. what's meta yeah. about the movie. Because a, a lot of people I talked to said, yeah, well, like the meta thing kind of falls apart after the first act because it's just, and it's like, no, 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 it doesn't. You don't understand that it's about protection of the series. Yeah. So I love it. I love it so, so much. Um, ooh, we, I could just talk about this forever and ever and ever. <laughs> I, I want to talk about. Uh, the plot still exists, and it still is a pretty jam-packed. It's a pretty saturated plot. Uh, but there's, we... a, there's a lot going on in the movie, but it's really very simple. And I think that's what some people are bristle about. Uh-huh. The movie is literally about saving Trinity. That's Yeah, and that's 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 very Matrix. It's like, yeah. oh, man, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. No, it's like, no, there's just a lot going on, and probably about 20% of it is what really, really, really matters. But the rest of it is just kind of like, yeah, we need a three act structure. So let's go. Yeah. And thematically, it's 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 very rich. And there's so much going on. But the plot is that Neo's still alive. He doesn't understand why people are trying to rescue him. They find a way to get him out. He realizes Trinity's still in there. The mystery is why did they bring them both back to life? And you find out it's because in this matrix, they find out that they have the best battery in the world. And it is a will they won't they between neo and trinity is if you keep them <laughs> apart they can power because the biggest energy source in the world and this is very monsters inky is, i love it thank you grief, so much for saying that is grief and feelings you know like emotion and sadness and and despair and that's what powers this matrix is making people feel like they can't have what they want and then they decide all right well we're going to go rescue trinity and then they do a very convoluted reloaded esque heist <laughs> And then they get Trinity and they get out. And you find out that Trinity has had powers all along. And now that like Neo is no longer the one, Trinity is uh, actually more powerful than Neo, arguably. Or together, they now can lift each other up. Two halves of the one. Each of them are a one of sorts. But Trinity's taken over. Trinity is the one. There's a lot of different interpretations of it. But it's definitely Trinity's got the keys to the Matrix now. And yeah. Um, that's that's how I feel about it. That was my interpretation of it at the yeah. end. And I'm glad that you brought up the Monsters, Inc. thing because as soon as the analyst said that, I was like, man, Mike Wazowski would be so proud of this plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're getting such a charge out of these guys from fear and despair, baby. We're yeah. doing it. Um, I thought I think it's really interesting, too, that the analyst says that 
uh, hope and despair are similar in the code of the Matrix. Virtually identical in code. Virtually yeah. identical, yeah. Let's talk about Neil Patrick Harris in this movie. Fucking yeah. crushing it. Crushing no, new, it. New, oh, I, I would say him and Jonathan Groff knew exactly mm-hmm. what movie they were in. Yes. Um, I mean, not that Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss didn't, because they are... They're like, amazing in the movie, Phenomenal too. in this movie. I just... I just particularly was just on the wavelength of what Neil Patrick Harris was doing with it. Just that mm-hmm. hand wringing mustache twirling villain, but just <laughs> eating it up. And, but like also still very mechanical and still very robotic in the, the way that a program like that would be. He's the analyst. He's analyzes yeah. people. He analyzes human behavior. Well, he talks like a he, smart ass Twitter troll too. Like yeah, he's just, he, thinks he just like, knows better. He just thinks yeah. he knows so much better than anybody else. A few other random things that like I, I noticed on the third watch that like really helped it click for me. You know, people complain about the action of the movie. And, like, I agree, obviously, the, like, Yen Woping wire work and the stuff that, like, made the original trilogy so distinct is missing. And it feels like it's lacking because of that. But the key that really clicked for me on what the movie was trying to say with its action scenes happens in the really, what I thought was a really kind of clunky recreation of the Morpheus Neo fight in the, like, um, in the... Dojo, the, the dojo, the dojo. But I realized that, like, literally, the movie is punching the old Matrix out of you. Like, the movie spends like five minutes in a fight scene that's like, is is them realize the movie that that scene sets up this way it goes more Neo needs like is so addicted to blue pills that he has to go into the Matrix one more time, and then Morpheus has to basically says like, hey, you need to like fight back or like snap out of it and you realize that the movie is literally giving you a scene basically giving you like you're you're like uh, say you're addicted to heroin this movie is literally methadone it's coming in and it's saying like (laughs) all right here's here's what you want but like you need to figure out and telling neo it's like look look either you have to fight and then he keeps saying like no i don't want to fight anymore i don't want to fight anymore and then he does the big energy blast and it's very much that it becomes clear in that scene where he's like this is what i'm gonna do from now on like I won't fight you anymore. Like, I I don't mm-hmm. care about this movie anymore. This movie, this whole movie literally leading up to this is a recreation of the first movie. And at that scene, that's when he goes, I don't want to do this anymore. Shatters like, it. Shatters. He the, shatters. The, he shatters the movie. The facade around it. Yeah. And he's basically, it's Lana being like, the movie was trying to make the Matrix one again. And she literally is like, come on come on do it do it do it she's like no i don't fucking want to do this and that and that was the movie cracking for her she goes like okay good we got that out of your system and like once i once that clicked for me i was like Mm. oh okay every single fight scene in this movie is saying so much more than people give it credit for they're just sort of like oh well it's sort of like i mean i get it if you don't like the the visual language of it i i can't disagree with you i do feel like there's a stylistic element missing to it but to feel like there's not a statement being made in them it certainly has more of a statement being made than in the previous films the previous films are just like fun fights you know like man versus computer virus oh yeah can we or like can we do this type special effects like yeah let's see how far we can push this and i and also the warehouse fight is kind of a lot one that people point to that's Mm -hmm. like oh it's just super lame yeah i have an interpretation of that where they show up there they're on this quest to find trinity and then all the misfits come in, including the the fucking wonderful Merovingian. The Merovingian just comes in and just it's like the Merovingians movie for two minutes. They used to they just do this now. And they used to be books and movies and like he's basically class in creativity. It's basically me at home, like old man yells at Cloud about things. But it's kind of the same thing there. They're 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 fighting their way through. I don't know if it's critics. I don't know if it's it, but it's like they're fighting their way through that notion too, that it has to be higher art. It has to be this. It has to be that. Yeah. yeah. Pushing, pushing it out of the way to get again to the point. It's like pushing through story conventions. Yeah. Like here's your big fucking warehouse fight scene. Cool. To get to the ultimate goal of, 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 you know, no, it's just about your characters. It's just about your two characters. I don't know if that's a very, solid interpretation but i that's the part i kind of have trouble with because the smith reintroduction Mm -hmm. how does that work for you so how do you feel about it smith i have 
less of a problem with than Morpheus. I feel like Morpheus is an undersold character, but I get it. I get why he's needed, but like, there's definitely a part of it that I I've yet to unlock as to why they had to even bother with a Morpheus character when you had someone like Bugs or when you had like you know all these other great supporting characters. We'll but, get to that too. That's my toughest nut to crack is is what what's even going on with Morpheus. Yeah, I, I, like, he, I, I understand. I understand the basics of it. I just I I, yeah. I feel the same way you do. Where it's like we can talk about it in a second. I just with Smith, I have a little bit more of an inkling because he says, "I'm sorry, I cut you off to keep no, talking." No, no, but, no, no, you're fine. Um, he says. You know, we, we've talked about this. I talked about this with Jason a little bit in our speculation pod about how if Neo is back, then Smith has to be back, too. And he says just because they were so intertwined and, you know, they're all kind of imprisoned together in Neo's mm-hmm. tread like treadmill. And he says at one point, our tethers become a chain. Mm-hmm. I do feel like it's there's the the top level like meta part of it of like, oh, the big bad guy's back and they subvert your expectations at the end. And he's just kind of like. I'm just going to be me, baby. I'm just, I like, I'm just always going to be the rogue agent. I'm always just going to be this rogue aspect of society. I'm, there's always going to be this like kind of chaos to the world. And I, that's me, baby. I'm, I'm, that's, I found my purpose. Let's just like you found yours. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I am chaos and I'm, and obviously he's there to be, get his revenge for being imprisoned for so mm-hmm. long. Yeah. Plot wise. But what, what are your interpretations of like Smith having to come back in that way? So I have two answers. One is, I'll, I'll get it out of the way, is I miss Hugo Weaving. I think Jonathan Groff does an amazing work, but I yeah. do wonder what this role is like if Hugo Weaving's in it. It might be immediate. It might click immediately for me, right? Mm-hmm. I might immediately go like, not on third viewing, but on first viewing, I go like, I know exactly what they're doing with this, right? Because with it now, I've wrestled with it and I've come to terms with it, but it does feel lacking because it's the one role, even though I I, I think that the young Morpheus joke is a joke. I do think that, that I feels like this is supposed to be the Smith from Revolutions and you're supposed to see him as Smith in the beginning of the movie and be like, oh shit, he's still here. And then he's your boss and it's it's part of the joke and he's part of the system and like whatever. And like maybe he's dressed differently. Maybe he's dressed like a Hollywood agent and now he's no longer whatever. But but the Jonathan Groff thing, or rather this, this version of Smith is interesting because I do narratively think it makes sense because the movie literally ends with him being absorbed by Smith. And so like in my head, it's like, in if you recreate neo like there's always going to be a smith in that world like smith and him are so tied and they they have to exist with one another thematically like i said earlier it feels much more of an answer to the the hollywood politics of it more than anything it's really about about the fact that like in previous films lana felt very in opposition to the the villain of the movie which was always corporate america or commerce versus art and this movie is the first time where it's like no 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 like this person is now an uneasy ally because this person represents someone who is also like hey look like i thought i was out too but like in in working here in corporate america like my job is to my job is to keep you in line and i have to my boss is like make a matrix four and i'm like i don't want to either but like also like we signed deals a while ago and they're just sort of like, I'm village roadshow productions. I'm Joel silver productions. And I'm like, I'm not your enemy anymore. Like, I'm just mad that like next time I, I'm going to sign a better deal with Warner brothers because it's <laughs> bullshit that they have me under lock and key too. And if I have a chance, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, sure, I also absolutely. too hate Warner brothers, you know, like yeah. that's the kind of thing, you know, like the movie, the villain of this movie is Warner brothers and not <laughs> capitalist. <laughs> right. You know, right, like, right. Yeah. Specifically you know. Warner brothers. Yeah. But like that, that, that's where, that's where I'm at. And again, that's the beauty of this movie is like, I may 10 years from now, finally crack what this movie is trying to say with Smith. And it feels very deliberate, but like I haven't arrived there organically. I do so, feel like here. there's something yeah. to it where like Smith represents a, a villain from a former movie now being like, sort of like, Hey, look, we're older now. Like, we both get each other but here's the deal like now now that i see that you are thinking about going back to the matrix i'm sort of like shit like did are we like like are we doing this are we like getting back into it are we fighting (laughs) and like then it becomes a different movie but it's very much a sort of like they like the dialogue is so deliberate with them basically saying like uneasy allies like 
inevitably like call it like basically calling like calling back to, to things but using them in the context of basically saying like look bro like we've done this already i don't want to have to do this again but like the the situation is different now i'm actually on your side a little bit yeah i'm in the same i'm in the same place where i love i love jonathan groff in this character for what he was meant to do i i do feel the same way where it's like man i just i really just think this movie would have soared to the heavens if Hugo Weaving was still in it. Yeah. Um, it's already close to me. I I was I already had a very emotional response to it and I was just very like Or even just, just so, like look in so a mirror and in. see and see Hugo Weaving when he <clears throat> walks by a mirror or something like that. That's what I want. Yeah. I wanted you to at least acknowledge that he is, you know, like the visual is even if you sure. could get him back for a cameo or something, you know? So let's talk about the modal at the beginning. I understand the plot mechanics of it. I understand that it's something that's looping because within neo's game but it's also within neo's treadmill that they've created for him i don't understand morpheus being an agent then being like oh wait no i'm morpheus i don't understand the implications of that fully the third time it did click to me too the modal aspect of it of it being purged because it was hacked and it was the matrix doing that right it wasn't yeah, them yeah. doing it. it was i mean the, it was matrix the, being like oh they're too close to getting this guy or even even less so. It could be very less specific. It might be that like in the original, like something we'd never get a lot of Morpheus's backstory, right? Like who was Morpheus before he became Morpheus? The idea being that like in this might be backfilling some information or some context that like there may Morpheus may have previously been a cop or something like that. And like sure. uh, a combination of something like he may have been an age, you know, not necessarily an agent, but like he may have come from that world. He may have been sure. somebody of authority who, who eventually woke up and needed to find Morpheus. But like the idea being that a combination of Neo of, of Smith and Morpheus is the best potent cocktail of someone who would find Neo. And so it's combining and bridging those two things. Okay, I, I see. Yeah, why Neo built that into his modal, you know, again, the, it's meant to just imply that, like, he has basically has the Matrix playing in the background while he's working mm. on his last movie and trying to figure out what it is that actually, like, made it work last time. And then he is sort of like, yo, weird, my computer's telling me that two of my characters left my video game? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. At first, there was just so much happening in terms of Jessica Helmick's amazing character, Bugs, Bugs. and uh, Seek. Mm -hmm. uh, just Seek. basically, like, information, 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 which a lot of people thought was a flaw, but I was like, have you fucking seen The Matrix before? It's just like, <laughs> this is built in. Expository dialogue in The Matrix is like a lightsaber in Star Wars. It's just like, it's just part of the thing, man. And if you're not into it, then you're not into it. Um, hey, the whole internet but, loves the whole, like, I designed AI to write a script for this and as a joke, but, like, I mean, AI is pretty close to existing. And the idea yeah. that, like, it, a modal exists as a thing that, like, literally just trains bots, you know? Right. And so the idea of it being, like, Lana was sort of like, oh, I have a hook. Like, they, the movie starts inside of the video game, but, like, the video game is literally, like, it, it, you know, the joke could be that someone's playing it, but the idea being that like it's just running on in the background and it's training it, and the AI is learning from the original game. I like it. It's a it's interesting hook from like someone who basically sure. in their head was probably like, the movie has to start in the original Matrix, right? And then someone being like, I've seen this before. What is this? Oh, this is actually just a program that's running at all hours of the day, trying to like awaken somebody that then can wake me up too because like i i clearly in the past have never have not been able to wake up without morpheus i need morpheus to wake me up i i love it i think um i think too i think about lana when she was on the green carpet before the premiere and she's like the two schlubby like interviewers talking to her yeah. and, and then she's just like they're like oh the sense of humor and this and this and this and she's like well, like I had to do something different because I couldn't like rip myself off because people, <laughs> people have been ripping us off for the past 20 years. Yeah. Like the most, the most badass like red carpet interview response you could do is just like people have just been ripping our shit off for 20 years. So I couldn't yes, rip myself, myself off. It kind of plays into that repetition of the modal over and over again. It's like, it's just training people on like what an action movie is, what the matrix did to the, yeah. to the, uh, like the establishment of action movies and things like that. And it's like, those Wachowskis, yeah, <laughs> they're really. they're working on a they're working on a on a wavelength that's just like 
won't be understood for another like hundred years. You know, yeah. it's like they're, people they're are gonna, definitely people are gonna under respected in their time. And <laughs> yeah. it is a, it's a shame, but also like, I think that they are aware at this point that they make divisive, very expensive art. And they, I think this movie is an acknowledgement that they only have so many more at bats. And that's what Smith represents to them is basically being like, look, I, I, I'm not your enemy here. I want to, I want you to make movies. I want you to make the matrix, but like, you know, they're money people, you know, like that's kind of the, the, the thing, you know, like, you know, after making a Jupiter ascending, a cloud Atlas, a speed racer, like they have to know that they, what they're making is subversive. And this movie is still also subversive. And I love that people thought this movie wasn't going to be, and I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I'm just happy to have an, a new favorite movie in my repertoire. One that I, I'm like, Again, I can I can guarantee it gets better with every watch. It's just so fun to watch the thesis statement of the Matrix Resurrections play out in real time on yes. Twitter, in real life, in yeah. think piece articles of like, did they ruin it? Did this happen? This and it's just like uh, the anxiety of creating a new Matrix becoming the plot of the Matrix. Yep, is the most Matrix thing you can possibly do. Absolutely, and, and I really appreciate. The conversation i had a whole outline of like the plot and this and this and this and i i was just like let's just do it let's just talk about what it's about what it felt like to watch it because that's what the movie's inherently about well this this feels like the matrix resurrections of your previous trilogy of podcast episodes. yeah it really it really needed to, <laughs> it really needed to be this it needed to just be like let's talk about our feelings and the yeah. facts of like what we saw in the matrix. And it's like, we could talk about Sati's role. We could talk about how the power generators work on IO, but it's just, it's, it's a movie about deconstructing how you think about what you want in your life and why you want that. And it's yeah. just like, hey, it's okay. A... Yeah. It's not Spider-Man no way home. Cause that's just giving you exactly what you want, which is yeah. good in its own right too. I, yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed Spider-Man no way home, yeah, but I love the matrix even more because it, it did give me what I wanted. I didn't know I wanted it until after I saw it. And it was just such a satisfying feeling to sit and just let it wash over me. It was a very emotional experience to watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a shame that you don't typically equate a movie that costs over a hundred million dollars with a movie that you, that'll make you think and sit, you'll sit with and really wrestle with, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of these movies. I hope Lana gets to make more movies. They don't have to be matrix movies. I hope that she feels free and liberated from this franchise a little bit and that she can go and make something else. I really hope they let her, you know, I feel like there's something really beautiful about the art that she creates. And I hope that like with her past films, they're always at about a 10 to 15 year delay. So <laughs> people are coming around now on the matrix sequels <laughs> and speed racer. Hopefully that means that cloud Atlas is next and everyone will be like cloud Atlas. That was great. And then, then before you know it, Jupiter ascending and then matrix resurrections. And by then she will have released three other completely financial bombs that no one got at the time <laughs> <laughs> and the cycle will continue. But, um, you know, if you like the movie, be, you know, like I'm really excited to have chats with anyone who's ever loved the you know, Wachowski movie. If you didn't like the movie, hopefully this, inspired you to review it through a different lens if if you you know did watch it and it still didn't click for you try again in a couple of years you know like i didn't like the taste of blue cheese 10 years ago and now i'm into it you know sometimes <laughs> things just your taste buds change you want different things out of your art and hopefully uh you'll make peace with this really interesting beautiful object that uh is a, a unicorn an anomalium if you will uh the matrix the blue cheese of of movie series <laughs> Mo, thank you so, so much for doing this. I really uh, love and admire and appreciate your Matrix brain and just how you look at movies and how you talk about movies. Yeah, I really appreciate your time and, and uh, I really appreciate the Matrix Resurrections and, and here we are. Yeah. Thank you so much. No worries. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Last time you asked me to plug something, and I wasn't able to really. Uh, but this time, I'm gonna plug it. We're releasing. I work for a company called Mondo, and we uh, we do soundtracks on vinyl. And next week, we're releasing the Matrix Resurrection soundtrack on vinyl. So uh, check out MondoRecordShop.com or MondoShop.com uh, next Wednesday, and uh, uh, or uh, I guess it'll be the the nineteenth on the nineteenth of January, and uh, you know. Watch it again as many times on HBO Max or buy the Blu-ray. See it in theaters. Whatever you feel safe doing. That's it. That's my plug. Look how much time has passed, Mo, since last we spoke. We couldn't <laughs> talk about that on the last one, and now we can. 
freely. It's amazing <laughs> how time passes. Thanks so much again, Mo. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's it. We did it, everybody. We made it through the Matrix series. And what did we learn in the process? First of all, we learned that the first Matrix movie, the most popular Matrix movie, the one that everyone thinks is the most perfect Matrix movie, might be the biggest outlier out of the bunch. We learned that a character sitting and having five conversations over the course of a two and a half hour movie might be more interesting than the fight scenes within it, even though those fight scenes are still pretty fucking awesome. We learned that the Matrix Revolutions is good and that you're mostly wrong about it. We also learned that it's all about love. When it comes down to it, it's about love of your characters, love for each other, and love in the face of adversity. But most importantly, we learned that the Wachowskis do not give a fuck about you. That's it for this episode of Best One Since the Next One. Stay tuned to our Book of Boba Fett coverage. We're breaking every episode down week by week with a special guest. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to ring the little bell on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on their new rating system. And follow along with us at B1N1Pod on Instagram. And a special thanks to Christian Cremo for our theme music. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Being the one is just like being in love. No one can tell you you're in love. You just know it through and through, balls to bones.